Welcome to Confessions of a Terrible Leader, where real leaders share the raw truth about the lessons they learned the hard way so you don't have to. Join our host, Lacey Nelson, founder of Transcend Leadership Collective and former terrible leader. Every leader can become worthy of being followed if they are willing to put in the work. On this podcast, we share the messy stories and behind-the-scenes reality of what the work actually entails. We welcome you to this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Terrible Leader. Who do we have with us today? I am so thrilled to introduce you to full disclosure. This woman has coached me. She has helped me uh, to understand how to switch my brand from a Cons- biz- or business to consumer, so B to C to business to business. And how does she know how to do that? Well, let me tell you about Miss Enyetiesian. She's phenomenal. She has a beautiful story she's going to share with us today. Um, I love that she describes herself as a former corporate executive turned accidental entrepreneur. She owns Edom Spark and is the Chief Swagger Officer. What a title. I really want to change my title to something more fun. I love that. Chief Swagger Officer. And she is here today to enlighten us, share with us, be vulnerable with us. Thank you, Anyeti. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lacey. I am so thrilled to be here with you. I could not imagine being anywhere in the world but in this conversation today. Um, and you know, thank you for sharing my title, Chief Swagger Officer. Okay, I get a lot of questions about that. Um, it's funny because you know, early in my career, I was obsessed with titles, right? Obsessed with job titles and climbing that corporate ladder until one day the ladder left me. Okay, the ladder left me. I was laid off from my dream job as a corporate executive. I still remember the day like it was just yesterday. I walked past my reflection in the mirror and I saw that I had lost the sparkle in my eyes. You know, it's like you get to this point in your career where everything that you've been working towards up until that point is suddenly called into question. For me, it was spending 20 years in in the health and wellness field, right? Mm -hmm. But realizing that I had let my own wellness fall by the wayside and it was a real reckoning moment for me to say, is it possible to win at work, wealth, and well-being? So I went on the journey to find that out, okay? I went on the journey to figure it out. Once I found my swagger, okay, once I got my sparkle back, I was like, I want more of this. And so I launched my dream business at Edam Spark to teach other leaders how to win at work, wealth, and well-being. So I'm super thrilled to be here today and to get right into it. Uh, thank you. And Okay, so many questions because that was like a massively packed story you just shared with us. <laughs> so, my first question is did you okay, so did you know you were in burnout before or after you got let go? 
So I think there were signs, right? We all kind of ignore those little whispers until it's kind of a loud boom, right? So, you know, some of the whispers for me were my hair was falling out by the handful. This is not glamorous, right? As a, from a vanity perspective, this is something you cannot hide. Okay. You know, it's fine. If you're not feeling well on the inside, but when it starts showing up on the outside, it's like, hold up, wait a minute, something's got to shift, okay? I'm dying that you call that a whisper. So what (laughs) must of the boom have been? I mean, there were the heart palpitations, you know, that were coming up, right? But the, the bigger thing I think was measuring my success in terms of productivity, right? To do more, to be more, right? To be able to achieve this, you know, idea of what success looked like. So imagine on paper, right? Being at the pinnacle of your career, being at the height, right? Experiencing that massive career success, but on the inside feeling, right? That disconnect, that lack of alignment, that not really being able to enjoy the success, right? And, And so for me, that was the reckoning moment to say like, Something's not not given. I took a sabbatical. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that was something I I gave a gift to myself to say. Okay, um, how might I do this differently? And I'm gonna be honest. I got I got the shakes. Like the first week out, I literally, when you're used to charging forward fifty miles an hour, like a hundred miles an hour, like, and you stand still for a moment and you're quiet and you have a moment to pause and reflect. That can be scary, right? Yeah, absolutely. It makes you question am I on the right path? Right. Have I made the right choices? Like what might this success feel like if I were to choose differently? And ultimately the choice was made for me in a layoff, right. In that layoff experience where I had no choice, but to choose myself. Mm. Well, you did have a choice, but you chose yourself. We always have a choice, right? (laughs) You could have gone right back in and, and said, I'm going to go for another corporate job. I mean, how many years in were you into your career? Like how deep in were you? Year wise. Yeah, I was deep, deep into my career. I had, you know, decades of experience in my field. And so, yeah, I did want to find a a, a corporate executive job. I mean, so my parents, full disclosure, my parents, Nigerian, right? Child of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And there's a very narrow definition of success, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think that you don't realize how much your ideas of what are worthy pursuits are shaped by your parents' um, fears, their hopes, their dreams, right? And at a certain point, right, you have to decide, right, how am I going to chart the next chapter of my journey? How am I going to create my own legacy? For me, it was losing my mom to cancer, right, and dedicating Mm -hmm. my career to her um, by pursuing a career in health innovation. But when I launched my business, I realized now was the moment for me to create my own legacy. My mm. own, what did I want that legacy to be? How did you navigate that? Because emo- it sounds like it happened, like I launched my own legacy, but we all know, those of us that have been there, it would be great if it was as simple emotionally as just deciding and flipping the switch and here we are. What were some of the emotional hurdles that you had to overcome the, I'm I'm guessing there were some mindset, limiting belief stuff that was going on for you. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. So I think in the past, I viewed my value and my worth as my job title, as a prestigious firm, as that cushy salary, right? 
I mm-hmm. never really defined my value outside of those narrow constraints and those narrow confines. And so for some reason, you know, having no job title, I still remember to this day going on LinkedIn and putting, she does nothing, right? <laughs> like putting, you know, next to, everyone's like always talking about put the headline, put the, I was like, I do absolutely nothing, right? And having to stand more in who I was to remember what it was mm-hmm. that lit me up as a child that brought me joy to be able to create more room for that play, playfulness. Like we have what we call nine essentials of total health as our part of our um, strategy to workforce well-being. And, you know, so often I would just narrowly define that by like career satisfaction, financial stability. We talked about the, you know, job and the, and the yeah. salary, but there are these other aspects like playful living, meaningful purpose, right? That mm. inform and shape the path that we're on. And that helps us to see how we vet and validate opportunities that are coming to us to determine what is worthy of our brilliance, right? And mm. so that for me was an opportunity to like pause and say, what really matters to me? What is it that I, you know, want to leave, right? The legacy that I want to leave on this earth. And then how do I create a way that creates a more holistic view, a more human-centered view of what leadership could be and could feel like to chart the path ahead? Mm. Okay. Here comes the, the big question. You've been speaking to it, but if you could narrow it down and just articulate it in one to two sentences, how would you describe one of your biggest mistakes in your leadership journey at any point in your career. And if you have a story that goes with it, that's really helpful um, to take that big idea in the ether and bring it down to like, no, this is what it actually looks like in action. What was that mistake? What did it look like in action? Yeah. So I think that part of becoming a leader I'm just going to use like a karaoke analogy, right? Please do. When, yes. You know, I'm a former vocalist. So you, know, you grew up in, a, you know, singing in a church choir, did a classical thing in high school, was in an acapella group in college. So I'm just going to bring oh, it back to basics, karaoke. When you, yes. really, this is why we got a log. <laughs> so when you are finding your voice, right? In those early days, there's karaoke. You're like singing along to the track. You're like hitting those Mariah notes or those Whitney notes. Like you're really mimicking the style, the style, the tone, the pitch, the voice of that established, right, leader, right? right? And in this case, we're talking in, in the context of music. But when it comes into the professional setting, right? We can think that we need a mentor, somebody outside of ourselves, right, to be able to validate the choices that we're making. And there's a point where you start to find your own voice, right? There's a point where you start going off script. There's a point where you start singing in the shower, in the car, at the top of your lungs, and you don't care who's listening, right? That is where you find your voice as a leader, And so for me, what that looked like was becoming an entrepreneur. You know, I talk about becoming an accidental entrepreneur and I looked around and I saw that all these entrepreneurs were simply just replicating the old ways of working that were no more serving us. They were simply just recreating the toxic work cultures, the churn and burn, the Mm -hmm. do more, work harder mentality that we escaped from when we left those corporate roles. And so- 
I wanted to say, how might we do this differently? And in order for me to, you know, create my own model, I had to be able to actually find my own voice. One of the biggest things I talked about, like, you know, thinking about productivity as the only measure of success. One of the biggest things was detaching my time from my value. up a lot. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are pitching corporate clients, landing corporate contracts, serving and delivering some of the largest global brands, right? Thank you. Hatch, right? Yeah. Our identity, right? And stop trading that time for value. In that case, right, it's like almost like this employee mindset, right? Where we feel if we're billing by the hour, if we're showing up, if we have the FaceTime, that this somehow means we're more worthy of that bigger paycheck when ultimately what they're really after is our ideas, our methods, our inventions, our approach, our frameworks, right? And so if I could find a way, and you and I know this, right? Because we talk about licensing, right? Our intellectual capital. If I could find a way to detach my time from my value, this could create limitless potential, right? In terms of revenue potential, because we're limited as many hours in a given week and in a given year, but there is limitless potential when I start looking at this from an asset-based perspective, leveraging my intellectual capital. And I think that that was the biggest mistake I made early in entrepreneurship was following other models that did not serve me. And the moment I shifted, right, Mm -hmm. shifted and started to move towards a more values-aligned approach, that leveraged my assets, that allowed me to scale lean without having a big team, that was where I was able to actually come into my own as a leader. Yes. Oh, and I'm so glad you did. You're the real deal. You also were able, like I disclosed at the beginning of the podcast, and Yeti personally has worked with me. I count her amongst my coaches, my mentors, uh, people that have helped me get where I'm at now, where we are at, as the Transcend Leadership Collective. and. Boy, is it a mind shift to get out of the employee mode, dollars for hours, and shift into, no, you're paying me for an outcome. And if I'm helping you solve literally million dollar and sometimes multi-million dollar problems, I'm not going to be charging by the hour. I'm going to be charging by the solution. And that was such a shift in understanding the value that we bring. and. I am so thankful for that. And I'm thankful that it, that your journey shaped that for you, that you had to get to that point. Just how, how would, what would you have to say to the entrepreneur, to the young business owner, young and experienced, not necessarily years. When I say young business owner, I mean, they're, they're not even, they haven't busted the five-year seal yet, right? On the, the business ownership that magic five-year mark when you're like, we might do this. We're going to, we might make it. We're still here. What would you have to say to them when it comes to finding, as you, as you call it, finding their swagger, what do they need to do to take that first step? Uh, I mean, because they're not brand new anymore, but they're like that midpoint or that, that, Hey, we made it point. What do they need to start doing or keep doing from your perspective? Yeah. And I love, first of all, I love that we had an opportunity to work together to see you shining in all your full glory. Um, And I think there's a lot from watching your journey that informs what I'm about to share, right, with your audience, which is that so often, you know, I started this talking about that corporate ladder that I fell off of. But in reality, entrepreneurs who have significant experience under their belt 
often feel like they have to start at the bottom rung, right? And mm-hmm. work their way up. They think, oh, I'm going to serve individual consumers. I'm going to serve smaller businesses. I can't go after these big companies until I'm ready, until I've proven myself. And it's like, no, you as you are, are more than enough, right? Mm-hmm. You are the special sauce. It is your expertise. It is your wisdom. It is your insights that these companies are after, which is often why those opportunities tend to fall into your lap, right? When you're least expecting it, someone knocked on your door, right? Maybe they heard you speak on a stage. Maybe you were engaging in a workshop at a local nonprofit, right? Maybe you were out there in your community, right? At a barbecue with a friend from high school. But these opportunities are falling into your lap because of your brilliance. Now it's on you to own it. Right. Own it. And instead of being reactive and responding to those inbound requests, now it's about pausing to take a moment to proactively package up your expertise. I still remember my first entrepreneurial engagement. This is me, former corporate buyer, bought and sold millions of professional services. I've been on both sides of the negotiation table, worked behind the scenes of the largest global brands. When I became an entrepreneur, I undercharged. Right. My Mm -hmm. first corporate consulting engagement was a $250 gig. Listen, Lacey, it took me 24 hours to create that talk. Okay. And you changed like a dollar an hour. I don't even know if it was minimum wage. Okay. So it was like, after that, I said, you know what? This, this doesn't make the math is not mathing here, you know? Right. 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 And that was a time where I was still a little salty, right? I was thinking, you know, yeah. I came out of a layoff, not really sure if I want to serve corporate clients, so I'm going to keep them at an arm's length. But this was, you know, something that fell into my lap. What? It's only 20 minutes. I'll, I'll pull it together. So after that, when I realized, okay, I had to make peace with my journey, right? And recognize yeah. that I may have lost my job title. I may have lost that, right? But I still had me. I still had value to bring to the world. And if I was going to go back to those spaces, right, that mm-hmm. just to me, I was going to go and shake things up. I was going to go mm-hmm. and create space, right? Create prospering businesses that talented Ooh. superstars do not want to escape from. Okay. So it's no surprise that when I paused and took an opportunity to package up my expertise, the next gig that I landed was a 40K um, consulting deal with a le- global legal services firm, right? And mm-hmm. it was a year licensing deal. And I say that to say like nothing shifted in between the first and the second gig, right? It wasn't like I got smarter, like I got more degrees, more certifications. It was that I had paused to own my value, to package up my expertise and to proactively communicate that to the market. And that's the, that's the advice that I would give to folks who are listening today, right? Don't wait until you have more credentials. Don't wait until you feel more ready. Don't wait for that confidence to come. We call swagger evidence-based confidence. Right. So we, we, you know, Lacey and I worked together. We ran down the whole list. What is the source of your swagger? And then how do we go out there into the market and kill the game? Okay. So that's, that's really what I would recommend to folks is don't wait for the opportunity. Create it. I, I love it. And, and I love that you truly walk people through how to do that. So not just go do it. When when Andy Eddie works with you, she shares her secret sauce and helps you figure out how to market your own and present your own and get your foot in the door um, more than in the door. You're in the door and then you're prepared to execute. And thank you for sharing your journey with us today. If you had some advice for Anyeti of... Mm, We'll say, and yeti in the midst of burnout before you knew you were burning out. 
Mm-hmm. If you can travel back and, and tap yourself on the shoulder, what would you say to you? Mm, that question is so powerful, Lacey, because I think that I like to say, you know, live life without regrets. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm always so futuristic and thinking about the future and building the future of work. So now if I were to go back and talk to my former self, I would say that you are the most valuable player in the game of life. Okay. Mm. I see you and I was put on this planet to help you win. This is something that I say to folks when I'm like giving keynote talks, but it's like, it was a message I had to create for myself. Mm -hmm. Have you heard when you're like on an airplane, I used to fly so much for work every week, I'd be flying to different cities for meeting with clients. And they say, put on your oxygen mask first before helping your neighbor in case of emergency. And I I really believe that, that if we believed that we were the most valuable players, we wouldn't be seeking that external validation. We wouldn't be, you know, on that hamster wheel of success. We would pause, right, to reflect and ask ourselves, what is it that I really want? What is it that I really need to thrive? And how can I create a world, right? that aligns those aspects so that I can win at work, wealth, and well-being. And I think that entrepreneurship has been one of the most special ways, right? I, I never knew that it was going to be such a like path to personal development because oh you, gosh. Yes. You, you can't hide from yourself, right? You get, you get old world. You might've been able to like put the, you know, uh, the work on the shelf and like, yeah you know, step away from it. But there's something about this entrepreneurial journey that forces you to look in the mirror, right? Eye to eye, face yourself and ask yourself, what do I really want? And then have the courage to go out and build it. How exciting is that? Oh, absolutely. And I would say in my experience now working with hundreds of leaders at multiple levels, running very large, multi-multi-million dollar companies. We're talking three figures in the millions companies, you know, on the other side of that comma. So what I would, I I just cannot emphasize, overemphasize like that learning that comes and the ones that make it and the ones that are really revolutionary leaders are the ones that are willing to look in the mirror. The ones that are, and, and they might not even know what to do with the reflection. At first, it might just be like, I'm looking really real. I don't love everything I see, but I'm willing to look. It's the ones that aren't willing to look or are looking, but they won't take off the mask. They are, they are looking, but they're not willing to take the mask off. They don't make it. it. And if they do, it's at such a tremendous cost that it looks like maybe to the world they made it. But if you peel back a couple layers, like, their world is not okay. There's some stuff that's really not okay. Have you noticed a similar, have you seen that pattern too? Or is it just me? Yeah. So I think that, so I work with both entrepreneurs and corporate executives, right? Mm -hmm. We create these binary um, situations where you think you can only be an entrepreneur or be a corporate executive. And I actually think the lines are blurring quite a bit. Mm, yeah. more crossover between those two pools of people than we like to care to acknowledge or admit. And I think in some cases, everyone can be an entrepreneur. Yep. Um, I talk a lot about the high level gig economy, this mm-hmm. high level 
gig economy where, you know, folks typically think of gigging as like, oh, you drive Uber on the side, but there's a high level gig economy where there is this decentralization of labor, right? We've seen it, you know, as we move through the pandemic years with um, more remote and hybrid work arrangements, but there is going to come a time where you need to be able to own your value. You need to be able to leverage your personal brand. You need to be able to proactively communicate in a world full of AI and automation, how you add value to the current work, you know, environment. And so this is where us all acknowledging, right, our our power, right, and understanding how to communicate effectively is going to make a significant difference in how fast and how, how far you can go, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I definitely noticed this on both ends of those spectrums, is that people who are not willing to take off the mask, right, because they want to be professional. We talked about this when we worked together. Yeah idea of professionalism, right? That you are stoic, that you have no emotion. Who can have no emotion in all that we've been through, right, over the past few years? Right. Go through that and not see when their team member is struggling, right? Right. Who can go through that and experience grief of having lost a family member, right? Um, Or have illness themselves, right? And not have the support that they need in that context. And so I think that the the future of work is going to de- de- require right more emotionally intelligent more well-rounded leaders who understand how to care for the whole person and how to care for themselves right that relationship that ability to lead starts with our ability to lead ourselves first and if we are unwilling to look in the mirror if we are unwilling to take that mask off if we are unwilling to recognize when the sparkle in our eye is gone right how can we spark it in another okay uh, yeah. so that's is definitely a trend that I'm seeing is that the ability to be more human at work, right, is, is you know, creating waves, right, possibly, but it's redefining professionalism in a way that is creating greater room for different styles of leadership. And that's the world that I want to be leading in. Oh, 100%. I cannot think of a more beautiful note to end our conversation on. Thank you. I am here for the leadership revolution, leading it on our little corner of the internet and in collaboration with you in your world. I I love the shared vision for making space and couldn't agree more with the new hard skills or soft skills. (laughs) Let's stop calling them soft skills because they're not. They are what makes your business successful or your organization successful, not just with you, but with everybody along the ladder. Couldn't agree more. So, and Yeti, thank you so much for your time today. You obviously bring a tremendous amount of value for people that want to learn more about you, that are interested in swagger school or just checking out what that is, stepping into this version of themselves that they feel so good about. Where do they find you? And we'll drop all the links so you don't have to write frantically. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Lacey. It's been a joy um, to chat with you today, to take that walk down memory lane and just relive the journey and and pay it forward. So um, yes, if you would love to keep in touch and learn more about Swagger School, visit us at swaggerschool.com. You can visit us at swaggerschool.com and um, access a complimentary training that I have called Three Secrets to Seal More Deals. This will help you think about how to tighten up your message, how to position yourself for your for success, how to find your next corporate client, right? So you can work smarter and not harder. Um, And if you're interested in hosting a Swagger School workshop, you'll find a link to book a call with me there as well. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Enyeti. We 
very much appreciate your time. What a great conversation. I feel I'm ready to go. That was the best way to start my day. Ooh, I'm gonna go take on the world. So thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, until next time, go manage like a leader. Thanks for being part of this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. If one-to-one coaching, engaging workshops, or strategic planning that is actually useful are anything that interests you, make sure to head over to www.transcendleadershipcollective.com to check out our free resources. Confessions of a Terrible Leader is hosted by Lacey Nelson and produced by Mary Scott. Music is by Leif Olson and Mary Scott from the band The Number of Months. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And until next time, go manage like a leader.